Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hello and welcome to Book Cheat, the book club podcast where I've read the book so you don't have to. My name is Dave Wanaki and as always, looking at a classic this week and joining me to look at such a classic, it's a couple of classic guests coming back oh. for who knows how many times I've been on now, it's uh, Joel <laughs> Salmon and Jackson Bailey, yeah. Good eye, good eye, good eye. <laughs> Woo! Wow. Thanks How many times us. have we been on? Three? Uh, yeah. I think three times. Yeah. yeah. We did Frankenstein. I've done some yes. Shakespeare's. Oh, I think R- I did a Romeo Shakespeare too. Yes. Yeah, yes. that's right. Mm-hmm. Maybe two. Maybe we've only been on twice. <laughs> but that makes this number three, so that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Lucky, Lucky number, number three, good. as they say. Good things come in threes. I've got a good feeling about this one. <laughs> exactly. Rule of threes, this will mm-hmm. be the funniest one. This is yeah, the punchline right. in a joke we've been telling for years. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming back for the, the third, and I'm sure it won't be the final time, but thank you for coming back. No. I usually start by asking you if you've been reading anything lately. Any books, comics, uh, plays, anything on the, on the yeah. shelf? Yeah, I've been, I've been mostly reading comics because I'm a big nerd. Uh, <laughs> Jonathan, uh-huh. Jonathan Hickman has is, is taken over X-Men, and it's real good. If you've, if you've never read an X-Men book, like, now is the best time to get on because he's just revamping the whole situation. I'm trying to, like, contain my excitement because it's, <laughs> it's genuinely really good and I don't want to keep cute. talking about it because it's just so exciting. Every week now when it's new comic book day, I'm like, yay! And there's a new crossover <laughs> called X of Swords that's happening. And last issue, like, the externals popped up and Apocalypse killed a bunch because he's a good guy kind of now. And he's also a sorcerer. I'll, I'll shut up. I'm just, wow. it's fun. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> a Gideon appeared and I haven't heard of Gideon since I was a any. I'll just, Jackson, what have you been reading? <laughs> <laughs> um, a while back I got on like this kick of reading horrible survival stories and I read like four like basically in a row like just like I was 13 again reading at night the whole thing and then I bought these two other survival books one is Alive which is about that Uruguayan um, oh, uh, yeah. soccer team that ate each other in the Andes um, and the other was about some people in the 1800s that got stranded in the Zahara Desert. But uh, I, I got the cheapest ones I could, and they're really small. So I, I don't want to read. I don't, I don't like reading them. The book's too little. You Here, mean, let you me mean, show like, you. Like size small? Like the yeah, print size? Mean the print? Or just they are tiny and thick? I imagine he's about to hold up like a book the size of like a crouton. Yeah. Look how little this book is. <laughs> Oh, it's not it's that small. It's not that, that little. It's, it's the size. It's the little. It's the book you size you have when you're going on holiday and you want to read by a pool. That's perfect. Yeah, that book it's a, size. It's 
It's a travel book. That's not what I want. I yeah. want a thick what book. For, what do you for make? Thick grandmother boy. needs large print, Agatha yeah. Christie or something. What are you doing? I would like some large. If someone could release <laughs> alive a story of the Andy survivors in large print, I would be very happy. <laughs> Look how little the text be, is. You want Look like at a that. deluxe hardcover special edition? Yeah. Who do they think I am? You know, <laughs> a man with Anyways. good eyesight. Yeah. Have you ever seen a penguin classic? One of those orange <laughs> yeah. ones? Mm. So You'd hate tiny. it. <laughs> I, the best way to read is like a big wizard's tome <laughs> that stretches across the desk yeah, and yeah, you yeah. have to pull the page like a, like a Duna cover. <laughs> That's the book for me. On a, like a nice lectern, you can kind of like only yeah, exactly. read standing up. Or, like, so huge that I have to ask the peasant folk to, like, five of them using a ladder to turn the page. Um, so, yeah, I've, look, I've been trying to read alive the story of the Andy survivors. I keep sitting down and being like, okay. And then I'm like, it's too little. And I stop. We are talking about, like, a, uh, a rugby team that literally had to eat each other to stay alive. And the hardest thing in your life is that the text is too small. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> and also, and this is the problem with every survival book, right? Mm. Like it it takes a long time to get to the good stuff. So you gotta read about so people you don't care about. Like it's important because you need to know that these two guys are best friends so that when one has to eat the other, it's like, damn. But like I don't I don't care about their friendship till they're eating each other, you know? <laughs> so like But you need their friendship to to yeah, I you know. need that to have so you can juxtapose it with him eating him. That that's I what you need. Get, you can't speed I, run a book. I just want to get Enjoy to the eating it. each other. My God, that's where it's good. I could see yeah. a book where someone is like, you know, mouthful of their friend, and they're like. <laughs> And that's where it starts. And then he goes, so let me tell you about this guy. And then there's the flashback from there. That would be yeah. great. That would be it's what I would love. Device. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, okay. As I okay. sucked the marrow out of my best friend's tibia, <laughs> I recalled better days. And then I'm like, oh, well, I know we're coming back here. So, okay, you can tell me about the better days. But as it's a new book, I'm like, how long? They get on the plane because I'm like that far in. And I'm like, yes. Great. And then they're like, and then we had to make an emergency landing. And I'm like, no, no, crash. Come on. Anyway, so eventually I'll finish this book. But I also bought a book recently from Amazon about a man who got stranded in the Australian outback for a month and a half. So, and that's, it seemed physically larger than this book. So I'm sure I'll enjoy that. You're like the only one who looks at the measurements of each book. To see yeah, how big. Like, it's like, how big is this going to be? I don't want to get burned again. I don't want to get burned by another <laughs> tiny baby book the size of a baby's fist. It's just a Anyway, that's what I've been well, um. Well, the book we covered this week uh, actually didn't arrive yeah. in time for me to... Re- I usually like to read a physical copy. So, yeah. uh, thankfully, oh, yeah. it's so old that you can uh, look this book up online. And uh, oh. anyone can read it for free right now. And, Jackson, I'd suggest it to you because you can zoom in on those words and make them as big <laughs> as you like. Yes. The whole screen, just a letter. That's what I want. Yeah. So that by the time I get to the end of the word, I'm like, what did that say? I can't, this is not how you're meant to read. You That's have to I'm dictate it letter by letter. <laughs> yeah. to, uh, Write it uh, down in a notebook. Duck. That's right. what I'm going to do. Yeah. <laughs> Transcribe the, the book. Well, the, the book I am, of course, talking about this week is uh, the H.G. Wells classic, 
the time machine. Ooh. Oh, Morlocks. That's yeah, the beginning Morlocks and the end of what I know about the time machine. Like <laughs> Morlocks and Eloquai or something along those lines. I generally don't know how to pronounce it because I just read it and I'm like, yes. I'm also terrified of uh, having to pronounce that because I have not heard it out loud by anyone else. I've just read it off a page. <laughs> I always get those guys confused with the horse people in Gulliver's Travels. You know, he meets those horse people called the, like, Elohim or something. Anyway, they have a similar name, and I always get them mixed up. That's one of Gulliver's less exciting travels. They're like, yeah. uh, tiny people and horses, horsemen. Oh, oh. It's like, Gulliver, get cool. back to the tiny people. Yeah. Yeah. That was interesting, that well. Gulliver. Yeah, these are just horse yeah. people. No one cares. Yeah. Uh, so, how about the, the time machine? Apart from that, do you guys know much about it? I think when we were talking about it, when I was organising this with you guys, that maybe Sam, you've seen the movie. Yes, I have uh, seen the Guy Pierce classic, The Time Machine. Oh yeah, uh, yes. what a beautiful film! Um, and also know about Morlocks because they, they appear in X Men. They're like the ugly <laughs> mutants that are underneath. Uh, Damn! Damn, son! There. <laughs> It was something called the uh, Mutant Massacre, where where Gambit mm. led led uh, the Marauders, who were led by mm-hmm. Sabretooth. It was a big trial of Gambit. That's why he got kicked out of the the X Men for a bit. But that's fine because it was done by Eric the Red, which was the real Magneto uh-huh. at the time. Because there was a weird thing going on where his clone was kicking it sweet in the X Men, but everyone thought it was Magneto. But he was just a guy who sure. was the clone of Magneto who went by the name of okay. Joseph. Um, anyway, <laughs> so yeah, I know about Morlocks through X Men. <laughs> When are we going to get well, comic book cheat where Zamet shamefully <laughs> tells you that I read no. the plot so you don't have to tell people you read the plot? You know? so let, me, let me tell you about Adam X, the extreme. <laughs> so he's like uh, maybe Shia and a human hybrid oh, no. and a mutant. Shia are like so many bird words. people. Uh, anyway, <laughs> his mutant power is that he makes blood boil. Uh, but he can only do it if you That's have a cut. Cool. So his whole costume is full of blades. Also, he wears a backwards cap, and uh, he might That's be cool. a summer's brother. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> I would need like an audio glossary to accompany that, just so I know what yeah. the hell you're talking <laughs> Very true. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, well, the, the time machine's been suggested by a few people because a lot of people, uh, well, the way I usually choose these books is people do suggest them and there's a link in the description of this episode if you want to tell me why I should do the next book or play that I choose. And um, there's quite a list here and they're from all over the place. So thank you very much to kicking off with a fantastic name here, Laguerre Price from the United oh States of America. Oh, my God. Whoa. No. Laguerre. Damn. Oh, I love it. Uh, there's some other great names Aaron from Minneapolis Jason Frey from Florida Alex O'Neill from Telford Aaron Basso from Portland Scott Gallantry from Southampton Dan King from Long Beach Finton Vaughan from Dundalk Island That's a fake Josh- name Yeah, I know, yeah half Finton Vaughan I, I make him up to make myself sound more popular Joshua Schweitzer From Wellington what? Malik Bendak Liz Kim from Maryland, Stephanie Arnott from Gateshead, Phoenix Black, what? From no. Vancouver? Whoa. No. You were a protagonist, and, uh, Phoenix I Black. Meet, I want to meet the parents. <laughs> yeah. So good. Yeah. 
<laughs> and finally, love the alliteration of Oliver Pedder Platt from Liverpool. Oh, that's great. That's yeah. real good. Everyone well done on the names. I know, they <laughs> nailed it. Yeah. Mm, they did a great job. <laughs> so uh, let me give you a bit of background on the time machine here. It's a science fiction story by English author H.G. Wells. And whilst he wrote in many genres, Wells, mm. it's along with Jules Verne, often called the father of science fiction. Ah, two daddies. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, I like <laughs> All it. right. Okay, okay, That's okay. good. That's good stuff. Uh, the Time Machine was first published in 1895. And uh, over the next okay. few years, he would write his other enduring science fiction classics. He was churning these out. Check this out. So, 1895, The Time Machine. 1896, mm-hmm. The Island of Dr. Moreau. Oh, 1897, The Invisible Man. Wow. Fol- following year, 1898, The War of the Worlds. He was just churning them out. Oh, my God. Wow. I mean, like The bummer. Island of Dr. Moreau. Look, I mean, I've never read it, but that as a concept is less exciting than the others. <laughs> it's still great. No one's denying it's great, but he's like, man travels through time. Um, uh, uh, you know, Martians invade. What if there was a dog man? Uh, <laughs> this guy over here made himself invisible. Yeah. Dog man. Oh. Let's circle back to this. What about Island Full? Of, may <laughs> I just man. say, dogman. <laughs> it's kind of funny as well to imagine him being like, a man becomes invisible and everyone's like, whoa. And he's like, yeah, think about the unchecked power, what you would do with it. Everyone's like, wow. He's like, and then imagine a dog man. And everyone's like, oh, oh yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> imagine yeah. the unchecked power if, if you could make <laughs> dog man. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> like the, the power of the dog man? No, no, the, mean, the guy no, no, making no. the dog man. <laughs> To make Dogman yeah. is amazing. It's got a whole island oh, yeah. of <laughs> Cool, Howard. <laughs> I also love the idea that he considered that his magnum opus out of all of his books. <laughs> this is what People always ask me about to. the War of the Worlds. I mean, who cares? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's all about the creation of Dogman. <laughs> yeah, Yawnsville. But what if there was a Dogman, everyone? I guess it would be no good in HG Wells. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> All right, I'm going to get you guys back. We're going to do the next time we're together. We will do the island of Doctor Moreau. It sounds like oh, that's rules. exciting. Oh, that rules! <laughs> yeah. I will. I will brush up on it by watching the movie because I've been meaning to yeah. for so long. Oh, fantastic! But the time machine was hugely influential to the point that Wells actually coined the term "time machine." How cool is that? That's amazing. No, it's just adding. <laughs> it's just putting two words together that already exist: a machine and time. Yeah. I mean, he had a limited amount of words to choose from. What else could he have done? Clock time? (laughs) I don't know. A clock machine? I just... Yeah. Time device. Time device? Yeah, you got time device. Ah. Future car. Yeah. Uh, Good point. Future past Mm. and present conveyor belt? Like... (laughs) Uh, Clock chair? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I wish it had been clock chair. You seen Looper, dude? Looper, it's this great new clock chair movie. Oh wow! Got to say, Back to the Future. It's the clock chair. It's the seminal clock chair piece. You know, does your clock chair work like Back to the Future? Back to the Future mm. clock chair wor- rules or H.G. Wells's clock chair rules? Which one is it? I'm building my own clock chair. <laughs> 
So look, Marty, well, like, get inside the clock chair, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> Just a chair in the middle of Two Pines Mall or whatever. Yeah. Once this chair hits 88 miles an hour, you're going to see some serious shit. <laughs> it's like zooms <laughs> into a ticking clock. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> On fire. <laughs> How the hell's that gonna happen, Doc? Anyway, sorry, go oh, on. No, Doc. Uh, it's been adapted into three movies of the same name, as well as many other media, uh, mediums. The 2002 film that uh, Zam mentioned, starring Guy Pearce, was actually directed by Simon Wells, the great grandson of H.G. Oh. Wells. Wow, that's some writing on some coattails of your great grandfather. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. I must. I think since then he's. I think he's only directed one film in the 18 years since. So, it wasn't mm, huge. Rough. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but any day now, it's gonna get the dog band back together. Absolutely, he just he picked the wrong work to adapt. Yeah, That's, that was the real yeah, problem. Yeah, yeah. He saw the yeah the Marilyn Brando Dogman film and was yeah. like, guys, come on, I wanted a yeah. much better job. Wow, <laughs> what is this? Ah, he's got a little man. Why? This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> What's Val Kilmer doing? Wow, what a movie! Hell yeah. Well, I always always start with the opening line of the novel just to give mm. you a little bit of a, a little bit of the taste of the author's work. Sure. And that is the time traveller, for so it will be convenient to speak of him, was expounding a recondite matter to us. His grey eyes shone and twinkled, and his usually pale face was flushed and animated. Oh, Which I think is a I'm great there. great Half of the opening line, but it threw me off with the word recondite, I must say, uh, which means little mm. known. If you, unlike if you like me, you did not know. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, no clue. But I feel like when you read like an older text or whatever, your brain just like does fills in mm. the blanks. You know, you're like, yeah. I got the basic image. Yeah, I'm yeah. getting it. I'm getting it. Do I need this word? I'm just gonna gloss over it. Yeah, Next. what's it gonna do for me? For sure. Uh, our narrator telling us this story is later revealed to be called Mr. Hillier is the dinner guest of a man Ooh. only referred to as the time traveler. Throughout the book, we never learn his name, but oh. the novel opens in England, the time traveler speaking to a small group of intelligent men. Ah, uh, to be part of a small group <laughs> of intelligent men. Instead, I am part of a large group of stupid people. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Hey, you know. Hey. Oh, I, to be honest, I prefer this, but, you know. I think yeah, you're, having, you're having more fun than this group of people, I reckon. Exactly. Yeah, less exclusivity, I, find I feel. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Is, I find a lot of older novels will do that thing where they're like, it was an exciting dinner guest and they have the story or like, like it's mm. never, yeah, I, I feel, I feel like it, maybe that's not true, but it feels like it's no, rarer for it look, to be happening as, to the, no, no, yeah. no, I kind of agree with it. Cause like as a man, he's like, you know, uh, early to mid thirties. I have like not as many dinner parties as I was <laughs> assumed yeah. I was going to have when I was younger. <laughs> You know? Absolutely. Just yeah, kind of like for sure. Watching a lot of film and television, I'm like, ah, yes, that's what adults do, dinner parties. Mm. But I don't think I've I've had a dinner party. No, oh. me neither. Not a proper one. Yeah. Not one with a small group of intelligent men, certainly. No. <laughs> let's get one and let's hire like a guest lecturer. Ooh. Yeah, that'd be fun. Let's hire a time traveler. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> 
I'm going to go nuts on him and demand yeah. to know where the time machine is. I'm going to ruin this party. <laughs> Where's your clock chair? Where is it? Give me the clock chair. I got to get out of here. I got to go to caveman times quick. Yeah, that'll yeah, that'll be it. Well, in this group of intelligent men, uh, as well as the narrator, there's the psychologist, the medical Ooh. man, the provincial Ooh. mayor, the very young man, and Philby. <laughs> Described as an argumentative person with red hair. <laughs> I love you've got a mayor. That's the guy we know. He's a bit of a piece of shit. He argues a lot, but he's yeah. here. Yeah, you can feel me. The oh, whole yeah. crew. The mayor. Uh, like, more stories need to include mayors. Yeah, mayors are cool. <laughs> so, like, only one of those people has been named it, so it sounds a bit like they're, they've got code names to rob a bank together or something. But <laughs> yeah, true. They're just there. Good point. For a scientific lecture, and the time traveller, or the TT, is speaking to the group, mm. who sit on comfy chairs that he painted himself. So he's clearly an inventor and designer of swords. Mm. Of chairs? Of cha- I was like, <laughs> how do you paint a chair? And I'm like, oh, I guess, yeah, people paint in chairs. That makes sense. All right. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm going to imagine them as Bathurst gamer racing chairs. That's just for my own <laughs> visual imagining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would make sense. There would be a lot more yeah. kind of like what we consider either kind of just normal now, like a, like a basic, like a basic yeah. office chair, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah sitting around sure. in like the eighteen hundreds, or like mm. you know, cravats and some kind of pi- stove pipe. Yeah, he coined yeah. the term uh, time machine, but also the term office chair, which is <laughs> again <laughs> not that impressive. Yeah. He just he's yeah. grabbing two words, slamming it together. You know, he could have just gone with work seat, but no. (laughs) (laughs) A chair for your clock, a chair for your office. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) So the time travel starts with a bit of a, it's quite boring to be honest, the lecture at the start. He's talking about a cube and its length, width, all that sort of stuff. These men already know this. But then the time traveler proposes a new concept, the fourth dimension. He proposes... That time is a dimension and also has length, width, and space. And therefore, it should be possible to move along it and venture into the past or into the future. A group of men do not agree, but talk about what you could do if you went back in time. And these are some of their fantastic ideas. This is what they would I'm do. I'm excited. They could learn Greek from the lips of Homer or Plato themselves. Or mm. go back and I'm, verify I'm... events. For example, the Battle of Hastings. <laughs> I mean, like Was you the battle look, of Hastings in question. As to a well, thing maybe for these guys. I mean, I, guys, I, I it was real. We know. <laughs> like, I agree with the second one, like verifying accounts and how do things happen. But like learning yeah. Greek from, ho- I mean, you can learn Greek now. I mean, <laughs> is it better yeah. from? Ho- is it? I don't think Plato's got better things to do than just... He's not a Greek teacher. That's not his thing. Yeah. yeah. I could teach you philosophy. No, 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 no. I no. need basic Greek. <laughs> like you teach a lot. child. <laughs> they also say you could invest money in an interest account and then go into the future and then collect that interest. Very exciting stuff. I mean, I mean oh yeah, but if you have time travel, money becomes pointless, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Travel into the past, rob a bank. Travel into the future. Bam, done. 
Can't arrest you. It's been 200 years. I did not no. go back far, but that's okay. It's very simple. You simply say, hey, look, I got one of them clock chairs. Come down here. Yeah. Give me five bucks. I'll put you on it. And there you go. That's yeah. how you make money. I think you're going to be like, very simple. You get your clock chair. Go to the bank. Be like, if you don't give me the money, I'll hit you with this chair. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> this chair, it's a, ti- it's, a cl- it's a time travel device and a weapon. And then you're rich. Ah. Much easier. So much easier. These losers are obsessed with interest. It sucks. Mm. Then the, the TT <laughs> even whips out a miniature model of a time machine with uh, two levers, which he explains will either send it forwards or backwards in time. He gets the men to examine it closely and he explains he's going to send this miniature model into the future and he doesn't want to waste it and be later accused of being a liar and a quack. So he's like, okay. look at this, look at this. Make sure you've seen it all because I'm about to send it into the future. Oh, yeah. Okay. Fair. The narrator describes what happened after that. It says, quote, we all saw the lever turn. I am absolutely certain there was no trickery. There was a breath of wind and the lamp flame jumped. One of the candles on the mantel was blown out, and the little machine suddenly swung round, became indistinct, was seen as a ghost for a second perhaps, as an eddy of faintly glittering brass and ivory, and it was gone. Vanished. So it it fully disappears in front of these guys, and the men are a bit sceptical. Well, (laughs) rightfully so. Mm, Yeah, this could be smoke and mirrors. Who's this magician in front of us? I don't know him. (laughs) Well, yeah, and exactly. he, he explains to them, and well, if you don't believe that, I've actually nearly finished a life-size model that he intends to use to travel himself. He shows Whoa. the men the full-size model, but they don't really believe him, and I wonder why. Well, it turns out he has a form. He has form for lying. Last Christmas, he showed them a fake ghost and used and tried to trick them with it. So <laughs> <laughs> he's, that he's, rules. He's a liar. Dude, don't show people a fake ghost and then what? you should know. Yeah. You know, you should know when you're showing off the time machine, they're going to be skeptical. That's so funny. Uh, what constitutes wow. a fake ghost? Just a ghost? <laughs> How can you have a fake ghost? Mm. What is a fake ghost if it's not a debt? That's a weird question. Um, Dave, I was going to ask, do they describe? Because there's like the classic image of H.G. Wells's time machine. Do they, mm-hmm. Is that image from like the movies, or is that like as as described in the book? Is sort of looking like a weird sleigh with a big mm. dish on the back. Well, it's a, a big chair. It's got bits of ivory on it. Um, there's like mm. le- brass levers, like gears on it. Okay, okay. It's nice to know that for time travel, we need to kill an elephant. That's cool. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. That's a bummer. Mm. But. Of course, you can go back in time to when there were way more mammoths walking the That's true. Uh, of course, of course. You have a never-ending supply a, now. No, yeah, there true. was a time when it was okay to kill elephants. That's true. <laughs> Just statistically, there would have been. That's cool. <laughs> I'm glad we're on the record as having said that out loud now. <laughs> <laughs> so th- that's all the opening chapter. That sets up everything. It sets it all up. Yeah. Chapter 2 takes place a week later in the same house, back in the time traveller's house. Our narrator has returned to the TT's house with some of the same guests, but also some new bank robber types. There's the editor, the journalist, and the spookily sounding silent man. Oh, Oh, these are all so cool. Like, you definitely could have a kind of high situation here. I would really watch that. 
Oh, that would have been really cool. Man. So they rock up for dinner, and there's a note from the host to start dinner without him, so they do so. And halfway through, the time traveller rocks up looking very dishevelled in his own house. He's filthy, he has a half-heeled cut on his chin, and he's limping around. He goes to wash up, and the narrator suggests to the others that maybe, oh, maybe he's been time travelling like he said he would. And the other men are very sceptical. The editor says, (laughs) haven't they any clothes brushes in the future? (laughs) Very funny quip. Very funny quip. Sick burn. Wow. (laughs) Roasted. I I mean, I I like this man is like, hmm, has he beaten perhaps... A fight? Yeah. Or could he have just <laughs> yeah. fallen over? No, no, no. Time shenanigans. That's yeah. what he's up to. The most obvious answer. A... Yeah. yeah, it makes sense. I come there. Well, eventually the TT comes back into the room and tells them that he has been time travelling. But he'll only tell them what's happened if they don't interrupt his story. He's too tired for that. He'll tell the story and then go straight to bed. I like to imagine you being the guy for whom... That deal doesn't work. Like he's like, I'll tell the story, no interruption. I was like, well, I don't want to hear it then. So long. <laughs> I'm sorry. Interrupt and have questions. <laughs> I only want I'm to not. hear your story if I can make funny quips throughout. <laughs> I'm sort of the practical joker, yeah. class clown of this group of intelligent men, and if I can't amuse everyone with my hot takes. I don't want to be here. Have a good night, everyone. I'm going home. Don is <laughs> even more honest. He's like, look, I'd love to be able to say I can, but I know myself and I know mm. as soon as you start talking, I'm yeah. going to want to jump in there. So mm. I can't be trusted to stay. I no. struggle to not be the center of attention, Mr. <laughs> Time Traveler. And if you're, you're occupying it, if you're hogging it, then I will try to take over. So I'm taking myself out of the equation. So long. <laughs> Well, amazingly, the men do agree to this, and thus begins the story within a story. Nearly the entirety of the rest of the novel is told by the time traveller. It was the narrator recounting what the time traveller told him in that room. Cool. Okay, okay. I like that. It makes the time travel a bit more mysterious. That's good, you know? Totally. Sort of getting, you know, a a different perspective of a story. And that's, I don't know, a good literary uh, device there. I am a fan. All right, H.G. Wells, let's point you. Mm. <laughs> There's one. <laughs> I'm not giving you the invention of the word time machine. I think yeah. that was lazy, and it could have been yeah, anyone. But I'm giving you this one. That's cool. That's that's nice. So the rest of it, I've tried to tell in the uh, past tense as he writes it in the book. So because okay. he's like, and then I did this, and then I did this. Ah. So what had happened is he had jumped in the chair and taken it for a test run by traveling just five hours into the future. From the chair, he could see the room going through fast motion around him. He could even see his housekeeper come in and move around the room really quickly as if she was being, you know, sped Whoa. up. Mm-hmm. Which is amazing because, you know, obviously at the time, this is pre-movie, so this is yeah. he's just imagining it's just, that, which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there's no, like, That's fast nice. forward back then. So yeah, no. it's pretty impressive. That's another point to HG Wells. Yeah. He's got yeah. two now. Yeah, all right. He's yeah. doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> so now confident the machine worked, he decided to travel further into the future. So he kicked it into overdrive, felt very sick as he travelled fast through time and he could see the moon spinning and everything was sort of like he was going through a vortex again, like, you know, that classic thing of time mm. travelling that we imagine now when you sort of see mm. different things flying past you. He was kind of Clocks describing that. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. And then he started to worry that he'd land somewhere a building had been put and then he would just explode. <laughs> so <laughs> why didn't he think of that earlier? I don't know. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's something to worry about. That's okay. okay that, that makes sense. It's so easy to imagine that expression while you're in the time machine hurtling <laughs> through time, just like going, oh, like, oh, just hang on. Oh, <laughs> uh, mm. but not stopping the time machine just yet. Because it's one of those ones where you're like, is this going to be a problem? Is this going to be a problem? Is this going to be a problem? Oh, we're okay. We're okay. We're okay. Because it's the kind of machine that you, wherever you start, you also end up in that spot. You don't like time travel, but also mm. sort of mm. jump around Moves the earth. space, kind it's of. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. he's in his, in his house and he's going to be wherever his house is in the future. Mm. So panicking that he's about to, you know, something else will be built in that spot. He pulled the lever to stop and he suddenly found himself in a hailstorm. Back in reality, in the future. He looked around and noticed the statue of a winged sphinx. It was at that point he began to worry what humanity had become. The God knows how much time had passed. He's like, where am I? This is weird. So, he, he, yeah, like he wakes up. He's like, oh, look, a winged sphinx doesn't think like, Oh no, an art installation, maybe an art piece yeah. of sculpture. Someone like, has oh, built no. a statue. Humans have now become winged and look like sphinxes. <laughs> I, will, I don't know what's going on. I need to I need to go back. Like it would make sense for someone now because we've all seen Planet of the Apes. So yes. I might be like ah. a sort of Planet of the Apes. Wait a second. Is this is this a dog man thing again? <laughs> <laughs> this HGWells. He's like, and then the time traveler saw the worst thing he could. <laughs> the worst possible thing a human could see. A dog man. Ah! Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so he's in the future. He then looked around. He saw buildings with parapets and columns. And more scarily, he saw figures watching him from the buildings wearing white robes. One of the creatures approached. This is from the book. Quote, he was a slight creature, perhaps four feet high, clad in a purple tunic, girded at the waist with a leather belt. Sandals or buskins, I could not clearly distinguish which, were on his feet. His legs were bare to the knees and his head bare. Whoa. Bald. Oh. No, The future is bald. Uh, <laughs> gross. <laughs> gross. I like haired people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bald babies run the future. <laughs> Bald ancient Greek babies is the takeaway. Well, more of these little creatures appeared and they spoke to each other in a language that the, the TT can't understand or couldn't understand. They wanted to touch the time traveller. And once they did, they were gentle and he didn't feel threatened because this is a great sentence. <laughs> Indeed, there was something in these pretty little people that inspired confidence. A graceful gentleness, a certain childlike ease. And besides, they look so frail that I could fancy myself flinging the whole dozen of them about like nine pins. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah, little Greek babies, you can fight! (laughs) (laughs) I figured if if it hit the fan, I could just kick the shit out of them anyway. I'd be okay. (laughs) I'd have a lot of time. I'm physically (laughs) more powerful right now, so I've got nothing to fear. I've got at least twice their height. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, this is another point to uh, hate you, Wells here, because I really do like this uh, uh, idea when he travels forward in time that he was like, no, like language would have evolved and changed, so that goes out yeah. the window, which is really cool. True. Which is not, not something that you kind of see happening in a lot of time travel films or stories these days, where they're like, oh no, no, English is just it's there, everyone understand <laughs> each other, it's yeah. fine. 
Whereas I'm it doesn't like, evolve. Yeah. Yeah. Like if we had a conversation with someone from you know the the, the turn of the century, we'd be like, what are they saying? And they'd be like, <laughs> yeah, what absolutely. Are they saying what are they now saying? you know try and talk to someone from the seventies. You're like, wow, you're <laughs> using some weird lingo there, but okay, cool. Yeah, so absolutely. I like this um this what how how he envisions the future as it were. I also quite like Only. that the time traveler so far seems sort of like a bit of a like a bit unprepared in a way that I find charming. Like, yeah. like it's not like this very intelligent scholarly man has traveled through time. It's the kind of person yeah. that realizes maybe he's going to end up in an exploding building the moment he sets <laughs> off and then who's like physical violence will get me out of fighting these future babies. I'll be okay. Yeah. I like I that. Know, it feels like He's like in a little bit of a rush, like he's kind of a bit on edge, like he just like bursts through the door. Mm. He's got cuts and bruises and he's maybe bleeding. He's like, right, okay, everyone sit down. Don't yeah. interrupt me because I've got a story <laughs> to tell. Anyway, so there's, I'm in the future. There's this little guy. I'm going to fight him. I want to fight him. I don't yeah. fight him, but I want to fight Anyway, they're there. Uh, <laughs> why was I want to fight him? Oh, I was scared, but not too scared because they were little. They were tiny. Yeah. Uh, he's endearing. He's, he's, he's charming as it were. Bit would. of a larrikin. Yeah. What's he up to? Want to know his story? Yeah. Well, I mean, he definitely doesn't seem very, uh, very planned. But one smart move he did is he unscrewed the levers of the time machine and put them in his pocket so no one else could use it when he was away from Clever. it. Clever. Okay. Like he tried to communicate with the creatures using a bit of sign language. And when they seemed to ask if he's come from the sun, he was like, oh, no, I'm dealing with fools here. <laughs> <laughs> they are not what he imagined for people living in the year 802,000 So he's 800,000 years in the future Oh, dude Why is that not what he would imagine? 802,000 years in the future Like, I, I would be ready for anything at that point yeah. I have no prediction yeah, Exactly <laughs> Little tiny brig babies, dog men I'm up for both, really Yeah, exactly Literally anything yeah. Despite this, he said yes to the sun question. He's like, yeah, I came from the sun, whatever. And they showered him with flowers. <laughs> Look, I, I would have done the same, to be honest. Yeah. I would have been like, yes, I am <laughs> your god. He then went with them to their house, which was a large stone building, and they ate fruit together. He tried to nice. learn their language, but didn't get very far, so he went for a wander to explore this new world. Okay. That's when he started noticing that men and women look very similar and that he found it very difficult to differentiate between them, which he okay. theorized is because they live in peaceful times and very peaceful lives and didn't have to be outwardly masculine. He also theorized that this, oh. is, this easy way of life is the reason they seem to live in large communal buildings and not have smaller families. But then he admits to the Seems men nice. hearing the story that this theory was in fact... Wrong. <gasps> Whoa. Here you go. He's got an air of drama about him. I like that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> he knows how to he, tell You know, story. like he proposes that theory and he's like, that would make sense. And everyone's like, well, yeah. And he's like, checks out, doesn't it? And yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, Wrong. Oh, <laughs> smashes you a glass. set me up just to bring me down. <laughs> ah. Ah. <laughs> I'm spooked and want to know what happens next. Yeah. Well, night fell and our man... The TT decided to go back and check on his time machine, but uh oh, it's gone. Mm. Oh no. He absolutely lost it at this point, running around frantically searching for it, worrying that he's trapped in the future. He even woke up scary. his new pals, the creatures, and tried to ask them where it is, but they got very frightened because they can't communicate with each other. 
He started to reason with himself that the machine is very heavy. These little dudes are very weak and he's taken the levers so it can't have gone too far. Somehow he worked out that it must have been put in the pedestal of the nearby Sphinx. And he couldn't, of course. And he, I, don't know, I don't know how he jumped to that conclusion, but that's that what checks out. he jumped to. Yeah. Yeah. And he couldn't work out how to open it. He tried to open it with a rock, but failed. <laughs> of all the things you have, <laughs> he just started a rock. Just rocket. Start slamming it with a rock. Okay. Have rolls. I mean, look for the okay. You, I guess for the people of the year eight thousand, you are in, in essence a caveman, so you may as well start behaving like. One. <laughs> yeah, that's true. As far as he knows, this is like a very, very sacred thing, and he's just smashing it with a rock. <laughs> <laughs> so he decided to chill out for a second, knowing where the machine is. Reasoning is probably inside there. He he reasons he'll be nice to the creatures, get them on their side. Maybe they'll help him and uh, let him back in to see the machine. So he starts to entertain them with what he's got got on him, which is matches, and they yeah. are fascinated with matches. What? Right. Did we lose the ability to make fire in the future? I'm guessing we did. Well, no, this is, uh, well, like from observing, I mean, they're eating fruit, so nothing cooked. So maybe That's you're kind true. of being like, okay, there's no fire here. or We're not eating like, you know, a lovely stewed fruit mm. dish. Uh, so maybe they don't have fire. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Yeah, and good point. And they're absolutely fascinated by it. Okay. Hmm. And plus, it brings credence to the fact that he's like you know a sun man. So yeah, that's it also true. Works out. Yeah, I've got man. a piece of the sun in my pocket here. And they yeah. go, whoa, sun man. Whoa, whoa. calm man, down. Tricking sun people man. from the year eight thousand seems easy. <laughs> yeah, it's just as easy to trick people from the year eight eight thousand years in the future as it seems to trick people eight thousand years <laughs> in the past. And that's cool. <laughs> if I bring a match to either, I am God, and that's exciting. Yeah. He also noticed a series of wells all over the place that seemed to be sucking air down into them. And he also heard noises of machinery coming from down below. So his theory was that it was part of just sanitation for the people up above. But wrong again, he later admits. Oh, wow. He's he's good at this. He's setting it all up to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (gasps) Yeah, wrong. (laughs) Nice try. (laughs) He recalled that one day... Quote, I was watching some of the little people bathing. A little bit creepy. Uh, All right. Okay. Cool, dude. Okay. (laughs) And one of the creatures was swept away and began to drown. The other creatures didn't even try to help the drowning one, so the time traveler stepped in and saved her, later guessing that she was a female. He quickly made friends with her, and this is a quote, Then I tried to talk and found that her name was Weena. (laughs) <laughs> All right. <laughs> Another point yeah. for HG Wells. How rules? <laughs> and he goes, although I don't know what it meant, somehow it seemed appropriate enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Wiener. Was it, how's it, is, it, is it spelt like you might spell Wiener? It's spelt W E E N A. Okay. Wiener. Did they call okay. sausages wieners then? When did that come around? <laughs> did he also oh, coin, coin the term wiener? <laughs> oh, wiener. Uh, just give me a wiener dog. No, not the sausage. I mean, like the little girl in HQL's The Time you know, Machine. Yeah. Come on. A, prick. a real yeah, New prick. York wiener. <laughs> a little dog girl. Wiener. Yeah, little do- <laughs> exactly. A wiener. A little dog come girl. On. 
most horrible thing you can imagine. <laughs> dog people. You know dog people? Yeah. Hey, I'm walking here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Wiener was like a child and followed the time traveler around. And they sort of made friends. And he learned from her that her small people are afraid of the dark, which is why they were fascinated with the, the matches and the fire. Okay. On another day, when exploring some nearby ruins, he saw a scary white ape-like creature who, after being tracked, seemed to flee down one of the before-mentioned wells. Based on the creature's appearance, he Mm. hypothesized that they lived underground in the dark. He worked out that the wells were clearly some sort of ventilation system for an underground species of people. Yeah, that would be when I would call it. I would be like, I thought the future was just awesome green babies called yep. Wiener. Uh, this albino ape man, I'm going home. Yeah, I don't I have to be here. Yeah. I have a time machine. Yeah, I can. I, you know what? I can go to the year 16,000 if I want yeah. to. Uh, exactly. Just away from these uh, weird ape people. You know, yeah. uh, I thought the future was dog men. It turns out it's ape men. I, yeah. I want neither of it. Off Far scarier, yeah, I'm out. Yeah. I'd be out of there too, because this is his his later description of these eight people. He says they're pale, chinless faces and have great no, no. lidless, no, no. pinkish grey eyes. Lidless? Yeah. No, Ew. chin? Ew. Ew. Yeah, that's bad news. That's bad news. So he's worked Not- out that the future has two species, those above ground who are dumb but peaceful, and those that are underground are these monsters. He named okay. the groups... I know which group I'd go to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he named the groups... Uh, above ground is the Eloi or the Eloi. This is the word that I was saying I have no mm. idea how to say it out loud because it's E-L-O-I, and I've only been reading it off the page. Eloi, yeah, should we say, or Eloi? What do you Eloi. think? Yeah, let's... Uh, I would have said Eloi, but... Eloy yeah. is just as valid. Eloy sounds good to me. Mm-hmm. All right. And below ground, the ones without the eyelids are the Morlocks, as mentioned at yeah. the start of the episode. Hell yeah. He guessed that the Morlocks are like the labourer working class that can only come out at night. That was his guess. Okay. Okay. He, com- he compared it to his own time with the growing gap between the rich upper class and the labourers. One with vast estates and the others with not very much. That's right. This book has a message. Whoa. Uh, Do you think he expressed this to the Eloy who were like, it's nothing like that? What are you saying? (laughs) (laughs) This is much like a thing happening in my own time. Do you also have horrible ape monsters that live below ground? (laughs) Well, no. (laughs) In a way. uh, Some people are really rich. Do you know what money is? No. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Do you you know what the 1% is? (laughs) Yeah. By any Mm. chance. Have you heard of a guy called Jeff Bezos? (laughs) Who's your Jeff Bezos? Yeah. 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 So you're kind of like Jeff Bezos and the Morlocks are kind of like... Uh, <laughs> I don't know who's the poorest person in the world. Look, that wasn't that interesting, so we never really investigated. Yeah, nobody I guess really, it goes, yeah, yeah. It really, kind of goes to how, how we kind of like really bias towards all the yeah. all the rich folk. Because yeah, we know who the rich people are. No yeah. idea who the poor people are. Have you read all the twist? Yeah. No? Yeah. Okay. no. Okay. Difficult. No. I'll bring that next time I'm here. Um, yeah. Do you have books? Do you have uh. pop culture that I can learn about? No. Yeah, you just eat the... fruit? No. Okay. 
What's the Morlock pop culture? That's what I want to know. Yeah. What's Morlock surely, Avengers, you know? Surely I mean, they're in the dark. Surely they're listening to podcasts or something down there, right? Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's true. They're, you have Sans Pants out. Radio in the future? Yeah. Mm? yeah. Come on. Do go on? No? Do go on? No? no? Yeah. Mm. You, can just, you, you can close your eyes. I know you can't do that because you're... Yeah. Anyway, just... <laughs> but you use your ears. That's pretty cool. It's at that point that when I realise there's no podcast in the future, I'm, that's when I'm calling it. Get, <laughs> yeah, get out of there. My one Damn. skill. My How one will skill. I commute? <laughs> <laughs> you mean, get so bored you, of your time travel commute, you put in headphones and listen to a podcast. <laughs> this again. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I end up in a building. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey book cheaters, just Dave here, dropping in to tell you that this week's episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Now I'm a big fan of ExpressVPN because it gives you that internet privacy that you probably just don't have right now. Let me just ask you, when you go to the can, the john, the lavatory, the bathroom, you close the door behind you, right? So why would you let people look in on you when you go online? Basically, if you're not using ExpressVPN, it's like going to the bathroom with the door open. It's weird, man. Every single internet provider knows every single website you visit. And what's worse, they can sell that information to tech giants who will use that data to target you. But ExpressVPN, they put a stop to this. They create a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so that your online activity can't be seen by anyone. And it's as easy as closing a bathroom door. You fire up the app, click one button, and you're protected, and you're online. And if you're using your phone whilst on the toilet, well... Hopefully you've got double protection there. Hopefully you've remembered to shut the door and fire up the ExpressVPN app. If you haven't shut the door, I can't help you. What I can tell you is, if like me, you believe your online activity is your business, secure yourself by visiting expressvpn.com slash bookcheat. That's right, use my exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash bookcheat. You can get an extra three months free. That's expressvpn.com slash bookcheat. Close that damn bathroom door while you're at it. Hey, bookchooks, this week's episode of Bookcheat is brought to you by Acorn TV. Acorn TV is a subscription streaming service that offers world-class mysteries, dramas, comedies, documentaries, all commercial-free. Stacked with binge-watch fan-favorite classics and Acorn TV originals that you can't stream anywhere else. They've got a huge library on there. They've got hard-to-find gems, timeless classics, and newly discovered favourites from Britain, Ireland, Australia, and beyond. Right now, they have an unbeatable price of just $5.99 a month. If you can't get enough of suspenseful crime dramas, then catch up on Acorn TV original Mystery Road. Catch up on that one because it returns for a second season in October. I have Acorn TV, and what I've been absolutely smashing lately is another Aussie program, Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries. Set in 1920s Melbourne. Ooh, I love that Art Deco era. I love the costumes. Humor, everything about it. It's just a lot of fun, that one. And they've got three series on Acorn TV that you can catch up on right now. So if you want to escape to Britain, Australia, and beyond without leaving your seat, try Acorn TV 
free for 30 days by going to acorn.tv and then use my promo code BOOKCHEAT. That's A-C-O-R-N dot TV. Use the code BOOKCHEAT to get your first 30 days for free. Thanks, Acorn TV. So the TT decided he had to investigate the Morlocks, so he went down one of these wells. Wiener didn't seem very happy, but he went anyway. Once down the dark well, he rested for a moment, but felt one of the Morlocks touching him, so he whipped out a match. But as soon as he lit it, the Morlock ran away. He discovered that they are afraid of the light. Okay, okay. However, I mean, maybe he's being a bit too judgy on the Morlock, because the Morlock didn't, like, you know, grab him or anything, and just, Mm. like, brushed up against him. What if the Morlock was like, I just want some basic human contact? And now he's like, with the power of the sun in my hand, (laughs) be gone, creature. You're out of here. Yeah, true. Maybe the Morlock just thought he was nude. He was like, where's your hair? Yeah. And that's what he was feeling for. He's probably cold. I'll warm him up. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Well, sadly, it was at this point that the Sun Man realised he'd only uh, brought a few matches with him and he'd used most of them to entertain Wiener. So he's not very well supplied (laughs) on this trip. That's very relatable. Okay, yeah, Yeah. I understand. Wow, that's great. He further explored the vast caves and saw huge machinery that was used to pump air into their underground civilization. He also saw meat on a table ready to eat and wondered where it came from. But then the matches ran out and the Morlock struck, grabbing at him like he was a piece of meat. Luckily, he managed to escape back up the well before passing out. Mm. Okay. Spooky. Very. Morlock meat. What are they eating? Other Morlocks. Well, no. That's my no. theory. I reckon no. the people from above. Uh, a little bit of an oh, alive yeah. situation. I'm afraid there. it is yeah, slightly true. alive because it was true. the next, next chapter that he realised that the meat on the Morlocks table probably came from the Eloy and that's why they fear the dark. More theory time here. He, said, he thought the Morlocks were probably once the labourers for the wealthy Eloy who got so comfortable that they became weak and now the Morlocks, who were basically their slaves, now have the upper hand and hunt and eat their former overlords. That's the theory. Whoa. Okay. Is this just like propaganda of like being afraid of the working class? Yeah, 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 yeah. but yeah, wait, who are we meant to empathize with? Yeah. Are we meant to be like, it sucks that the Eloy get eaten? Or are we meant to be like, it sucks that the Morlocks have to eat the Eloy? I don't know whose side I'm meant to be on. Also, the Eloy had belts made of leather. (laughs) Where'd they get that from? They got cows. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So a beast that we bred to be delicious, they're like, no, no, no. Let's not eat that. Mm. The people. Yeah, give give the Morlock whatever you made your belt from. Maybe those belts are ancient from when cows Ah. were still around. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, it's sense. difficult so to out. say if it is a, a comment on, you know, becoming too hmm. too comfortable and too weak that you, you know. Mm. Yeah. yeah, you yeah. Become Maybe we don't need to get the five peasants to move a book. Maybe that is what's making us weak. Because <laughs> yeah, exactly. once we do that, That's they'll true. uprise. So we need to make sure that we squish the uprising. So we need to make the, the illusion that, you know, they have some power. Not a lot of power, mm. but some power. That's, that's what we need to do. Let's need invent to read- the middle class. I need to read tiny books now so that the, you're right, the peasants that I have to turn the pages don't become Morlocks and eat me. That's <laughs> yeah. the lesson. Exactly. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. 
So he's telling this wild story to these scientists, and to prove his story is real, back in present day England, the time traveller shows the men he's telling his story some flowers that Weena gave him. Like, check out these okay. exotic flowers that I've brought back with me. Mm. Oh, yeah. He says, Are they good? My pockets had always puzzled Weena, but at last she had concluded that they were an eccentric kind of vase for floral decoration. <laughs> <laughs> Weena, you moron. <laughs> But do you not need Wiener, to carry things Wiener. in the future? <laughs> Pockets, this is a uh, concept is too hard. Wait, you put a thing in another thing? Nah, that's crazy. Oh, not for me. After spending a night camped out in the open, the TT and Wiener made it to a building called the Palace of Green Porcelain. He discovered there was an old museum. He even saw an old dinosaur skeleton on the floor. Whoa. In the museum, he started looking for supplies to help defeat the Morlocks to get his machine back because now he's assuming that they're the ones that have stolen the machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Morlocks see machine you know, and they take mm. machine. Mm. It makes sense. Yeah, they have Morlocks, machine, they want machine. machine. Yeah. yeah. Shiny. Yeah. He's looking around the museum. Sadly, he couldn't find anything to make gunpowder within the museum. He did, however, rip a piece of metal off a machine to make a club to bash in Morlocks' heads. So now he's a bit <laughs> of an, an action hero. That rolls. Okay. That's much better than a gun. Morlocks only understand one thing, clubbing. <laughs> so he's doing he's made the right decision. And not, I like that the, not like this clubbing. guy's kind of like, all right, little 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 Greek babies I can take in a fight just yeah. my fists. These guys, no, nah, I need a club. Yeah. I need a club. Uh, yeah, it'll fix, I'll still be yeah, fine, yeah. but I need a club. Yeah. Yeah. He says very inhuman, you may think, to want to go killing one's own descendants. But it was impossible somehow to feel any humanity in the things. Brutal. Okay. Yeah, rough. Okay, so I guess we are meant to sympathize with the working class. No, the yeah. bourgeois Eloy, yeah. I, yeah. I guess. Yeah. If, if our protagonist does, cares not for the Morlocks, <laughs> shed a tear Maybe. for the Morlocks. You know? <laughs> Maybe the real monster was man all along. Yeah. <laughs> Always seems to be. Hmm. Uh, in the museum, he also found a box of matches and some flammable camphor, and he was ha- so happy that he asked Weena to dance in her own language, and he did a little can-can for her. Bit odd. <laughs> oh, all right. He also found cool. a room full, full of guns, but all the ammo had become dust, and then a room full of objects from around the world, and he wrote his name on an item from South America because he liked it. He just signed it. <laughs> 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 this guy's got, lost his marbles. What's yeah, he doing? It's like, oh, sweet, some guns. Ah, there's no ammo. Oh, that's neat. Maybe if I wrote my name on it, it becomes mine. Yeah, yeah. Maybe put my name down for that when no one claims it. It's like lost property, yeah. I assume. Time travel has just melted his brain. That's what's happened. Yes. He's, Wiener, do a dance. I'm going to write my name on this. This means it's mine, Wiener. I own this. See that, Wiener? That's mine. I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to bash these Morlocks. <laughs> yeah. Now with weapon in hand, they left the museum and entered the woods during the night. Before, before so he started a large fire to sort of guard their tracks because he could hear a few okay. Morlocks in the museum. He's like, maybe they're following me. I'll start this fire. The Bad. fire spread really fast, and Wiener was fascinated, and he had to drag her away. Uh, he later realized that setting the fire was a big mistake. 
Yeah, no <laughs> duh. <laughs> uh, the they knew the fire wasn't the solution. <laughs> yeah. They continued on. The TT was deliriously tired after not sleeping for two days. And when they heard some Morlocks, Weena fainted from fear, so he had to carry her. So in one arm, Aww. he's got the club, and the other arm, he's got her over his shoulder. They quickly yeah. found themselves surrounded by Morlocks. So he lit another fire. <laughs> of course you do. Yeah, he okay. loves his fires. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like this guy's a bit of a fire bug, yeah. you know? Yeah. Every problem has one very easy solution, you know? <laughs> I need to entertain the Eloy. Ah, fire. Oh, <laughs> fire? So he lit the fire and then from delirium, because he hasn't slept in two or three days, he fell asleep next to it. Yeah, okay. This is yeah, with that, the Morlocks sort of right. closing in. Yep. Not a good He's like, time to fall it. asleep. Time for, time for a nap. Time for a nap. Yeah. That's yeah, great. Yeah, Monsters time for a little, surrounding little me. Little Greek baby girl. She fallen asleep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Look, that seems the best option. I have nap. Well, he, he woke up to find the fire out and Morlocks grabbing at him and biting him. So he found his metal stick and he started beating them back. Insert another action hero line. He said, I knew that both I and Weena were lost, but I determined to make the Morlocks pay for their meat. Hell yeah. <laughs> pay for your meat, Morlock. That's the best. He's, <laughs> come, he's so cool. Yeah. I just realised he's pay for their Weena meat. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to pay for your Weena meat, Morlock. <laughs> Damn. Imagine being one of the intelligent men, just witnessing and just like <laughs> hearing the story and be like, this guy's so Okay. Cool. This guy okay. rules. Yeah. <gasps> Man, hit that, that goddamn wiener more like in the face with a club or something. No, idiot. Wiener's the, 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 the Eloy girl. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah. wow, that's cool. It's good I to was imagine half paying attention. Yeah. What the hell is he saying? This is insane. <laughs> Why did he get Wiener to do a little dance? What? Shut up. You're not meant to interject. That's what shush. Why did he write his name man? on something? What does he think that means? Is that, is that, but then he owns the silent shh. man's just going, shh, shh, <laughs> shut up. I'm listening. <laughs> Missing integral plot points. Yeah, but shh. He's making so many assumptions. He keeps telling us his theories and then telling us they were wrong. <laughs> then don't tell us. Yeah. Go outside if you want to talk. What theory was right? I've I've written down the wrong one. What are you, what which is yeah. what? What is happening? Am I meant to sympathize with the Morlocks or the Eloy? What? <laughs> Cuz look, I eat meat now. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I don't think about cow rights, do I? Should yeah. I? <laughs> oh no <laughs> So the Morlocks are closing in He's bashing mm. them back But he's, he thinks they, he's going to be eaten But they didn't eat the time traveller But rather started fleeing Because the forest fire he had lit earlier Had engulfed the entire forest now And was heading their <laughs> way <laughs> Thank okay. Christ for that forest fire Oh once again Fire saves people <laughs> Sadly, he couldn't find Weena anywhere and he was left to assume that she had died. That's sort of it for Weena in the story. Okay. It's making a lot of assumptions <laughs> Rest still. Rest in peace, Weena. I guess that one was correct. Okay. We, we hardly knew you. <laughs> he did, however, find 30 to 40, to 40 Morlocks and again was worried. 
but he easily killed a few and realized that they were blinded by the glare of the fire. Ah, We've got no okay. eyelids, so Tables they're like, ah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I but can't still, look away. So but he's, he's still, just wailing on blind folk. I know, he's and we're yeah. bashing him. We meant to yeah. sympathize with this man. Yeah, I don't know who's sympathize. the villain. Is the who time is traveler? Him? He's caused he a lot of problems like for villain. this once beautiful yeah. society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like surface level, I get it that everything looked right, but you peel back it and you're like, oh, no, it's, mm. it's not that great because, you know, why they're living in peaceful occasions, they get eaten. But yeah. by and large, that seems to be working. I mean, you've yeah, only been like there for what? A couple of days? It, you don't really you know peel it back again. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it's good. The Morlocks, you know. They're doing all right. Maybe yeah. it's not that, you know, it's like the same species evolved. Maybe that the Eloy are just evolved cows. Maybe that's <laughs> yeah, what happened. Exactly. Yeah. Peaceful. Yeah. Ball. Wild <laughs> <laughs> uh, <Well>, fruit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wearing fruit? leather belts of sorts. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, the, the leather is there, like their ancestor, maybe. They're like, you mm. know, maybe. I don't know. It checks out to me. Yeah. <laughs> do a little dance. Cows love to dance. Oh, they do. That's true. <laughs> so the Morlocks fled when morning and daylight came, and the time traveler found his bearings and located the Sphinx, where he saw his time machine still inside, but now with the doors open, so he can see it. Oh, he reasoned they'd set a trap for him, but of course, they didn't know what the machine was capable of. Mm-hmm. So he walked through the doors. Okay. He stepped into the machine. And then the Sphinx panels closed around him, just as he'd suspected. He laughed, uh-huh. knowing that the Morlocks thought that he was trapped inside the Sphinx. <laughs> Morons. <laughs> well, you say that, but now in the dark, he went to strike a match, only to find that they were safety matches and could only be lit on the box. So he had nowhere to li- <laughs> nothing to light the match on. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh. you stupid Morlocks, just light my match. Oh, hang on. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh, dear. Oh, crap. Oh, crap. Where's my box? Where's the box? I don't have the box. Ah, oh, God. So the Morlocks began to descend on him, and in the dark he struggled to find how to put the levers he'd removed back in. But he yeah, did fair. it. Okay. He got the levers in, yes. and the Morlocks' arms disappeared as he flew into the future at rapid pace. The future. Okay. Whoa. I'd have forward, gone back, back, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> Bold strategy. Let's see if it pays off. <laughs> well, <laughs> he traveled millions of years into the future. As he traveled. All right. Could have gone maybe 10, but he just. Yeah, okay. he was millions. Think, cool. He basically just put into first and just put the accelerator yeah. flat to the floor and yeah. went, let's get out of he here. He fanged it. Fang it. Yeah, let's get out of here. Fine. Yeah. He wanted yeah. to speed rush time. It's good. <laughs> it's all good. Whatever. He travelled so far in the future. As he travelled, he watched as the sun began to change, becoming giant and red. Well, that's not good. But so mm. far, I mean, the sun is literally changing into another form. Yeah. Finally, he stopped on a beach with very thin air, giant butterflies, and a giant crab. <laughs> <gasps> okay, now things are getting interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <All right>. Okay. <laughs> This the future's looking in sweet. That, yeah, this was if I was in that room full of intelligent men, I would have piped back in to be like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Was a, bit crab, like, a bit boring <laughs> with the forest fires. He kept going on about how he was a hero and yeah. a bit murky, but the giant crab, you say? Yeah, I'm back okay. in at the moment as well. Yeah, me too. 
But he was freaked out by the giant crab, so he tried to skip a month forward to get away from this crab. But then he found himself surrounded by even more giant crabs. <laughs> a, a month? I mean, surely just an hour, but okay. Yeah, that's great. The crabs are multiplying. He kept skipping forward in the future, 50 years here, a 1,000 years here, until he was on the beach 30 million years into the future. And no life could be seen except lichen. It was dark and it was empty. The, a quote okay. from the, the time traveller. All the sounds of man, the bleating of sheep, the cries of birds, the hum of insects, the stir that makes the background of our lives, all that was over. Just the sound of lichen. Just the <laughs> sweet Music Sweet of lichen. Sound of lichen. <laughs> Growing. <laughs> it sounds like Fran Drescher laughing. That's what lichen sounds like. <laughs> Mr. Sheffield. <laughs> Whoa. Huh. Oh, great. <laughs> lichen on a mass scale sounded like Fran Drescher. That uh, really makes you huh. think, huh? Yeah, it really puts you in a contemplative mood. <laughs> So, okay, so it's cook time travel. That's great. 30 million years in the future. Yeah. He's basically at the end of civilization, the end of humanity as we know it. So he's freaked out. He decided to head back to his own time. And he watched as the world slowly came back around him and he found himself again in his own house at the dinner where he now speaks. That's what immediately happened. He appeared back in the house, wandered back in. And that's when he started telling this story. He washed up and then came back. I guess you would. You would yeah, because you'd be adventure. like, it'd be like a dream. You'd be like, I gotta remember this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Hey, so, I'm sorry. Hey, 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 you. Write this yeah. down. Write this down. Okay, <laughs> yeah. now. Okay, so I went in the future. <laughs> worried about being caught between. Uh, uh, so long ago. I was worried about being caught in, in a giant stone building. But anyway, apart from that, we'll keep going forward. So little boys, they were there. They were bald. They were bald. R- write that so, down. Write that down. Sorry, a sirens in your window? A, yeah. Yeah, a fire truck has just appeared in my court. I'm just going to go see what that is. Give me five yeah. minutes. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. Holy okay, shit. Okay, dude. Is, is something on fire? Probably <laughs> on fire. Well, if I leave this in, uh, Jackson has left the recording to go and check on the <laughs> fire truck in his court. Yeah. Hopefully, it's just uh, like a simple cat caught up in a tree. Yeah. No one knows. Oh, really? Yeah, it's they've gone to the house across the road from us, so huh. I mean, I'm, we're not on fire. There's no flames or smoke no. you can see? Okay, that's good. No, I, I think we're okay. Hey, if I suddenly get consumed by a fireball <laughs> as we record, that'll be we pretty funny. <laughs> but it would also be great is, as you're, as you're burning up, could you just uh, upload your file to yeah. Google Drive? Yeah, of course. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank Don't you. worry, I, I promise I will. And my last words will be, listen to Book Cheese! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, yeah, look, let's just carry on and see what happens. All right, well, if you need to go because stuff's on fire, yeah, that's absolutely fine. I mean, I won't have you back in the Thank future because you so you're unprofessional, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is and rude maybe of me. burnt. Uh... Yeah. yeah, of course. I understand, boys. Thank you. <laughs> so we're actually in the final pages of the book. We are nearly there. The time travel has returned home. The machine's actually moved slightly from where he took off. It's in a different room now because that's the distance that the Morlocks carried it into the Sphinx. Ah, that's cool. I think that's a cool like detail. That. Yeah. Another point yeah. to HG. Yeah. That's pretty neat. So now back in the room, telling the story. The story he was telling is now caught up on itself. 
The men stayed silent, almost awed by the story, until, quote, the editor stood up with a sigh. What a pity it is you're not a writer of stories, he said, putting his hand on the time traveller's shoulder. So the men... That rolls. What a burn. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> the men don't believe him, but they are fascinated by the flowers that he's brought back. They also... Okay. And they're like, oh, they're a little bit different to anything we've got here. They also examine the machine mm. and it has... Uh, it's a looking a bit bent. It's covered in grass, but it's 12.45 a.m. That's how long this story has taken for him to tell. So they best Whoa. be off. They've got to go. Yeah. <laughs> it's late. What? That makes sense. What kind of intelligent gentleman are you where you're like, man traveled through time, but I'm sleepy. No, I'm pumped full of adrenaline. Yeah, totally. And I'm like, give me a bell. Give yeah. me that handle. I'm going to the year 10,000 or whatever. Yeah. I like to imagine like the, you're like, well, I've never seen these plants before, but you don't believe his story. So you think that he got the shit beat out of him somewhere because he's covered in cuts and bruises and then picked some fancy flat. Like, what do you think really <laughs> happened to that? <laughs> I'd believe him. <laughs> I'm out wooden. He lied about a fake ghost. I, know, so. I wish he hadn't oh, done that's that. That's true. I put a lot of doubt in my yeah, that mind. Really, yeah, true. <laughs> so our narrator shared a cab with the editor home who thought the tailor was amazing, but fabrication. But the narrator himself wasn't sure and he lay awake all night thinking about it. He went and saw the narrator, uh, sorry, the time traveler the next day and asked if he really travels through time. The time traveler holding a camera. <laughs> come on. Just, it's just yeah. two of us. It's just, it's <laughs> just me really? and you. Come on. Yeah. Do you. Really? Come on. No one else. It's me, me yeah. and you. Yeah, it's just the two of uh, us. Well, the time traveler holding a camera now said yes, that if the narrator gave him half an hour, he'd prove it. He just wanted the narrator to sit in another room and wait for half an hour and then he'd be back and he'd, with the proof. Which, mm, okay. which the narrator did at first, but then he remembered he had a meeting with Richardson, his publisher. So he went back down the hallway to tell the time traveller, actually, sorry, I've got to go. I'll, I'll be back in a few hours. But when he got there, He's got to wait the time traveller was nowhere to be seen and neither was his time machine. Whoa. The narrator asked the time traveller servant who just appeared, he said, Quote, has Mr. Redacted, there's a line here, so he obviously did know his name, but he didn't want to tell us. Has Mr. Blank gone out that way, said I? No, sir. No one has come out this way. I was expecting to find him here. At that, I understood. At the risk of disappointing Richardson, I stayed on, waiting for the time traveller, waiting for the second, perhaps still stranger story, and the specimens and photographs he'd bring with him. But I'm beginning now to fear that I must wait a lifetime. The time traveller vanished three years ago, and as everybody knows now, he has never returned. Whoa, <laughs> that is the sequel final hook. line. Whoa. <laughs> oh, boy. So did he just wait in that room for like three years? Yeah. Damn, yeah, yeah. Didn't get up. Really? Didn't get up from the chair. Yeah. Really got to go, go to Richardson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Richardson is really pissed. Yeah, he's yeah. mad. You're, yeah. Wolf, we're this close to getting fired, man. This close. <laughs> Three years is pushing it. You got one at, more year. <laughs> at what hour would you have gotten up and left? I reckon by the, uh, like, I reckon 45 minutes, I would have been yeah. like, yeah, I'm gone. Once I an hour passes, I'm like, minutes. he's pulling the fake ghost yeah. again. I'm done. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Yeah. I'm off. It's so another that, fake ghost. That's the last line of the book, but there is an epilogue where the narrator wonders Ooh. if the time traveler will ever return. <laughs> Did he go deep into the past or into the future again? 
where man's problems are solved, or is man destined to destroy itself? And this is the final line of the epilogue. He says, quote, But to me, the future is still black and blank, is a vast ignorance, lit at a few casual places by the memory of his story, and I have by me, for my comfort, two strange white flowers, shriveled now, and brown and flat and brittle, to witness that even when mind and strength had gone, gratitude and a mutual tenderness still lived on, in the heart of man. End Hell book. Yeah. Whoa. Mm. I love the where he's like, what happened to him? Did he go into the future? Did he go into the past? Feels like it could be like, you know, like fan fiction authors. Like, did he go into the future? Did he go into the past? Hey, let me know in the comments where you'd like to see the time traveler <laughs> go next. <laughs> this is just part one of a longer story. T-T-I-Y-L. Illy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what a book! What a what yeah. a great little how how big is the time traveler? I mean the the time machine. It doesn't seem like a massive story. Do you mean page count, or do you mean uh, the dimensions of the actual book, yeah. which you are clearly obsessed <laughs> yeah, with? I need to know if it's big enough for me to read. No, I mean <laughs> page count. It is quite quite. I think the uh, the version I read was only about one hundred and thirty pages, so it is quite quite small. Okay. Quite wee, yeah. But I mean, yeah. Did, for you, it'll be about mm. 1,300 pages. Yeah. yeah. For me, that'll be so big. <laughs> were there ever any sequels? Did they write more? Seemed like they I were think, leading up to it. I think someone has one of those things where someone decades okay. later wrote a sequel, but I don't believe yeah. HG himself did. Hasty was like, hey, that's done. I've told my story that I want to tell. And yeah, someone's yeah. like, but I want more. <laughs> I did find, because I was Wikipedia-ing it in the background, um, that there's apparently a deleted scene, like a deleted bit of text, where the time traveler arrives again in a distant future Earth, finds some herbivores that resemble kangaroos, kills one with a rock, and then <laughs> looks at it and is like, oh, I reckon these are like the Eloy and the Morlocks. And then he runs away from his centipede. I get why H didn't include that. <laughs> once more including dog men. And yeah. once more the time traveler is a bit of a maniac who loves violence. It was yeah. I just love he just kills it with so, a rock. Just out of curiosity, death count. Um Yeah, true. Morlocks, how many time traveler, how many? Good point. Uh, I definitely I think Wiener we can assume has been taken out by Morlocks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely eaten. But the time traveler, he's killed way more. He's uh he's definitely yeah. got his got his own. And I yeah. I love that he's he's like he gets a time machine. His first instinct is never to be like I need to go explore what the future holds or the whatever. Mm. It's his first thing is like can I take it in a fight? Yeah, if exactly. I can take it in a fight, I'm going to take it in a fight. That's why he didn't really do much with a giant crab. He yeah. sees a giant crab was like, <laughs> "Ah shit, that can't deal with this." So I'm gonna, limits. you know, I'm gonna bugger off and go forward forty months or whatever, <laughs> and see what happens. Oh no, more giant crabs! Million years. Let's see what. Okay, just lichen that's screaming like Fran Drescher. This I can <laughs> deal with. Push comes to shove, I can step on some lichen. But now this guy is a maniac that I love, and his first call is violence always, and, that and that's something you got to respect. You know? Did, did he seal his own fate with the crab thing? Because like thinking about it now. Like, he appears on the beach and the crab's like, I want to eat this guy. Then he goes yeah. forward a month and has that original crab told all the other crabs, oh, yeah. just wait on this beach because <laughs> yeah. this guy will come we can eat. Yeah. I, I swear, this <laughs> yeah. is the spot right here. <laughs> right here. There's a right guy here. and he, we can eat him. And then he appears yeah. and he's like, told you, told you, quick, quick, quick. But he just, <laughs> he keeps going. 
Oh, <laughs> but at least that crab is vindicated, you know? <laughs> Every few months he pops up and the crab's like, ah, here's our chance. <laughs> Let's get him. Well, I'd be worried that if he ever went back into the past, that he'd just be smashing and killing people and obviously yeah, changing the future. <laughs> by just so the, the future, that's okay. He's only changing the yeah, future from uh, that yeah, point. Good point. But if he went into the past, he's just like killing like 10 of the 12 disciples. Like, what's he doing? <laughs> just a caveman yeah, to be true. like, oh, none of this. I reckon I could take a caveman <laughs> in a fight. Sees that I got him. The first fish coming out of the sea evolving legs. And he's like, yeah, I got him. <laughs> punches him in the hat. Just pushes him back <laughs> in. <laughs> no, 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 no. Just, <laughs> well, but, but that is the story that I, I always get the guests to score it out of five. As you've heard it there, did it take your fancy? Obviously, Zamet was having a bit of a scoring system, giving a point every now and then to HG. Yeah, that's true. Has that <laughs> added up? True. Well... Uh, I reckon at least yeah, we're going about okay, at least four points there. Um, uh, yeah, four out of five for uh, the HG Wells's time machine. I, I had a fun romp with it. It's just, mm. it's great. He's uh, he's, there's a lot of like there. There's a lot to love, and there's a lot that you're like, what? What is this maniac on? But <laughs> yeah. I like that it's you know it's an unreliable narrator, which is always mm. good. Always and, fun. Yeah. So. There's a lot of like little tiny details which are nice, like oh yeah, now the time machine moved. And again, big fan of the fact that like not everyone is just speaking English, you know, eight thousand years in the Absolutely. future or whatever. So that's that's kind of nice. I think I've been poisoned by modern stories because if I now opened a book or read a watched a movie called The Time Machine and he just went mm. once into the future and yeah. then a little bit into the future again, uh-huh. like. You know, okay. I get what you're saying, Jack. However, what if they included the third time where he brings the kangaroo man? <laughs> yeah, I'd be all over it. That's incredible. But I think, you know, if this book was called The Morlocks and Eloy that I saw or something, mm. that's what it's really about. Not yeah. really about the future. But no, still, great, great, great no- little story. I like that you could definitely see why this is science fiction or rather than like mm. any other genre. I don't like, you can see that it is an early example of that. I think especially for some reason, the Morlocks moving the time machine and that meaning that when he comes back in time, he comes back to a different place, really just like smacks of, of mm. sort of weird, hard sci-fi kind of, I don't know. It's good. I, yeah, I liked it. Probably, I'd probably give it four out of five as well. Four out of five. Fantastic. I, for one, there were definitely lots of things I liked about it. And you can definitely see the influence. And um, I like the way the story is told with like the narrator and then he's recalling the story, all that sort of stuff. And I love the start and the finish. But the middle bit, I did find it was a little bit. Then uh, the time travel just being like, and then this happened. And then this happened. Mm. And then I did this. And then this happened. And now I'm here. <laughs> so, I, yeah. So I, yeah, I can definitely respect the way the story was told and obviously extremely creative being mm. one of the first ever stories to do this kind of yeah. thing. So I'm going to give it uh, a three and a half out of five, if I if I may. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Well, That's I might fair. give another point because it did kind of lampshade itself, which I thought was actually very nice. Yeah. Because being like, yeah, the editor being like, oh, look, that was a crap story. Anyway, off we go. Oh, that's so true. Kind of excuses it for being <laughs> yeah. a bit crap. That's right. Yeah. So that's right. <laughs> That kind of gets it. my respect, actually. Five out oh. of five. That's a <laughs> sneaky move that... Fantastic. Yeah. Damn it, loved it. Yeah. Book of the year. <laughs> Bossy. The book of 1895. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
All right. Well, that does bring us to the end of uh, of the time trailer episode of Book Cheat. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for joining me. I really appreciate you being here. Anytime. It's always Anytime. good. And we'll be- I'm excited to talk about the island of Doctor. Yeah, Moran we'll be you. back with it for sure. Any day now. Oh, yeah. Any day. <laughs> Any day. I mean, it's not like you have millions of other podcasts to record. Actually, you do. And let's, exactly. Let's talk about them now. Oh, what a segue. <laughs> that was so good. Oh, wow. Um, well, uh, let's see here. Uh, so we do a bunch of different podcasts. They're uh, all on the Sands Pants Radio Network. Uh, myself and Jack are on a couple together. We do mm-hmm. uh, one called Plumbing the Death Star, uh, as well as D&Ds for Nerds, where we play good old-fashioned Dungeons & Dragons, and a mm-hmm. video game review podcast called Thumb cramps. Yeah. Uh, and I also do a more mental health podcast called uh, Why Am I Sad? Uh, and Jack, well, you used to do. Uh, I'm just like, look, you can, you, can, you can speak for yourself. You don't need me to be your mouthpiece. I was Go enjoying on. the break. Um, <laughs> uh, I used to, but we've stopped for well, the lockdown times, do a podcast with my family called Bailey Family Circus. Um, what else do I do? What other podcasts do only I do? Because I think that's it. Right, and he also does shut up a second. Oh, shut up a second! Oh my god, <laughs> that shows like it's, I do it so often. It's like breathing. I forget that it's notable. Um, <laughs> you forget it's recorded. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, go listen to him now, quick. Mm. Yeah, so they're all on the uh, Sans Pants Radio Networking. Look at it all up on sanspantsradio.com and you can see that along with a bunch of other shows that uh, our good friends also do. Fantastic stuff. Well, I appreciate you coming back and I'm sure we'll all be together podcasting soon. But gentlemen, Jackson, Zamet, thank you so much. And until next week, I'll say... Books forever! Yeah! Woo! Woo! Yeah, books! Hey, book cheaters, just Dave here at the end of the episode to say thank you so much for downloading it. Really appreciate that. I'm coming at you with a bit of FM radio energy there, aren't I? Sorry about that. Let's bring it down. Because for once, I'm not recording it silently in my bedroom late at night. I can be a bit more loud and not annoy anyone. But except you, the listener. I forget about that. Sorry about that. Uh, no, but seriously, though, thanks for downloading the episode. And thank you so much to uh, Zamet and Jackson for being on the show. Uh, because of all the restrictions in uh, Melbourne at the moment, it's a bit harder to book guests at the moment just because I can only have people that are podcast savvy, basically, that have their own recording equipment so I can um, edit it all together. For those Sandspants Radio guys, they have uh, awesome equipment and they're always up for it. And so, so funny. So I really appreciate them being on the show yet again. Uh, You might not know that this show is supported by the people on Patreon. uh, Specifically the Patreon page, patreon.com slash dogoonpod. This show is a spin-off of Do Go On, a little uh, history show that I host with Matt Stewart and Jess Perkins. And because of the Patreon supporters, we've been able to start a bunch of other shows, including Book Cheat, Primates, Listen Now, and uh, a little show called Phrasing the Bar, where we go through the films of Brendan Fraser, which is a Patreon-only podcast. You get that as well as uh, two other bonus episodes a month at patreon.com slash dogoonpod. And there's a bunch of different tiers and rewards. You can be part of the Facebook group. Tickets to live shows and live streams in advance, little discount codes, bonus episodes, like I said. And also, we give you a shout-out to say thank you so much for uh, supporting the shows. And uh, on Book Cheat, I like to read out some of the listeners' names that support the show on Patreon and also their favorite book. 
and I have six fantastic names standing by and six books. Here we go. First of all, this week, uh, Scott Coventry. Thank you so much for your support, Scott. Scott's written, hey, Dave. I wouldn't say I have a favorite book per se, but I will say that I love the works of Tolkien. I've loved the movie since I was three. Wow, that's super young. And as I got older, started to read the books and dive deeper into the world of Middle-earth. I'd love to hear an episode of Lord of the Rings or maybe just The Hobbit to start off with. If you need any obscure facts or the genealogy of Bilbo, you can ask me, the big nerd. (laughs) Thanks, Scott. I'll come to you if I ever get to Tolkien, Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit. Frequently requested, I've got to say. But then I think there's already those fantastic movies critically acclaimed. I think there's another big series coming out. I feel like maybe everyone already knows the story. But if they don't, let me know. Try and do it justice. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate that. Uh, Jack Daly next. Thank you so much, Jack. He's written in to say, Hi, Dave. Thank you for covering the boring books. I should have read. Read. Oh, my God. Uh, what's that homophone? Oh, it's a homograph. Homograph. Sorry, got to get that right. Especially on a book podcast. But you really should be able to read the word read. Anyway, back to the great words of Jack here. I should have read, but am too lazy to open the boring books he's talking about. My favourite book growing up was Rowan of Wren. Definitely read that in my primary school as well. By Australian author Emily Rodder, also author of the Del Toro Quest series, Jack writes. Having a sickly boy protagonist becoming a hero where stronger and braver men had failed was inspirational to me as a child. Books forever! Nice one, Jack. Totally agree with that. I also loved the Del Toro Quest growing up. Uh, Alyssa Holland has written in to say, uh, Hi Dave, my favourite book is Death Comes for the Archbishop by Willa Cather. Mostly, I love how she portrays the American Southwest, but the winding journey is fascinating too. I come back to it about once a year and I always recommend it when a friend wants a book to read. Thanks for reminding me to read more and making it fun to learn about the classics again. Thanks Alyssa. And that book is Death Comes for the Archbishop. Appreciate that. Tracy Towley says, Dave, my favourite book is The Grapes of Wrath because it covers the whole gamut of human behaviour from the very best of us to the very worst. I have a tattoo of a line from Ma Jode, quote, it was her habit to build up laughter out of inadequate materials, end quote. Fantastic. I definitely want to get to The Grapes of Wrath. I've loved the two Steinbecks that I've covered so far on this show. I bought a copy not that long ago from a second-hand bookstore, so I've got it on the shelf. And it's definitely high up on the list. Uh, Tracy continues, Also, I recommend covering Their Eyes Were Watching God. Not only is it unique and excellent, but was also written by a woman of colour. Well, Tracy, can I just tell you, guess what I just happen to be reading at the moment? That is an amazing coincidence. Zora Neale Hurston is the uh, woman of colour you're talking about, and I know that because I'm reading Their Eyes Were Watching God. Really enjoying it, I must say. The, the writing is very, very poetic. Impressive stuff. It's one of those books where you read it and you think, I would find it very difficult to construct a sentence that eloquent. I found the same thing when I was reading Lolita. Some people can write real good. And uh, Zora Neale Hurston definitely fits in that category. And maybe one day it'll come up on Book Cheat. Their eyes are watching God. Keep your eyes peeled. Thanks, Tracy. Uh, John Herzog has said, Hi Dave, new patron, have listened to the entire catalogue in a week. Oh my god, are you talking about book cheat? Which even that is impressive because there's 40 plus episodes. But if you mean do go on as well, we did 250. It must be just book cheat. If you're talking about do go on, 250 episodes uh, just a few weeks ago. So either way, John, 
incredibly impressive stuff. He said, uh, I've always loved books, but nobody ever wants to talk about them. Thanks so much for the podcast. Nice one. No worries. My favorite novel is Les Miserables by Victor Hugo. It's an epic, but a simple one with only about half a dozen main characters. It also made me cry and no other novel has done that. It's surprisingly funny at times too. And the translation from the French still results in gorgeous prose. You also lose absolutely nothing by reading an abridged version, which cuts out about 400 pages. Don't know if that's a positive or not. Thanks again. Actually, that is a very big positive, John. I've got to say, uh, some frequently requested but very, very long books include uh, Les Mis, also Moby Dick, and The Count of Monte Cristo. And one of the reasons I avoid doing them is because obviously I've got to read a lot. That's actually not the hard part. It's the sort of transcribing it and uh, telling it in my own words, the same story. And if a lot happens, uh, that's one of the reasons War and Peace Difficult is because there's dozens of characters. I didn't know that about Les Mis. I actually haven't seen the musical, which I know a lot of people love, and the movie and all that sort of stuff. I've had nothing to do with it. And knowing that there's only half a dozen main characters, that actually makes it a bit more doable. So I appreciate the tip. And then the tip of the abridged version. Well, I can also read that, get the gist across to you guys at home. Maybe that's worth looking into. Great tip. Thanks, John. And finally, I would like to thank not one, but two people here, and that is Elizabeth and Fraser Green. And I believe it is Fraser writing this. Gave this a bit of a squiz before. Uh, hello, Dave. I believe Fraser writes, a.k.a. Bookchuk. Book, book. And one of my favorite books is a children's book by Canadian author Robert Munch, titled Love You Forever. Robert Munch is a beloved author of children's books, uh, some of which were a big part of my own childhood. This book is basically about a mother's undying love for her child and a lullaby that she would sing to her son and eventually pass on that song to her adult son for him to sing to his own child in the end. The reason I love this book so much is because when my own son was very young, he would often choose this book as his bedtime story. Oh, this is lovely. But any time my wife, Elizabeth, had to read the book, she could never finish due to the tears welling up in her eyes and the sobbing mess that the story turned her into. It's adorable, so precious and very touching, and the book itself is as well. That is lovely, Fraser. He finishes with, thanks, Dave, books forever, with many, many E's and R's. Appreciate that. That's a lovely story. See why it's so dear to you. Uh, but that does bring us to the end of the episode. Thank you to everyone that does support the show on Patreon. Uh, genuinely means a lot to me and also to Matt and Jess. Makes us able to put a lot more effort and time into these podcasts. And honestly, without you guys, nearly two years later, I would not be doing book cheats still. So truly appreciated. Of course, you can't afford to join the Patreon. Totally understand that. These are tough times now for many people. So if you can't get in there, completely understand. But you could, I don't know, if you wanted to help out the show, uh, just tell a friend, colleague, a loved one. Yeah. About Book Cheat or Do Go On or Primates or Listen Now or any of our podcasts. And uh, that honestly does spread the word. The biggest way people have discovered this show is by word of mouth. So, yeah, if you want to be part of that word of mouth, you can do that for free and it would really, really help us out. But that's enough of the begging for me at the end of the episode. Even if you just want to enjoy this quietly because it's your own thing, I totally get that too. All right, I'll be back next 
fortnight in a couple of weeks with uh, another episode of Book Cheap. But until then, I'll say, as I always do, thank you very much and books forever! This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 